Welcome to the latest United We Stand podcast. My name's Andy Mitten and I'm in the old Central Market in Lisbon, which is a, a quite fantastic place. It's full of food stalls. The prices are not, not so bad. Um, Portuguese food, fishes from fish, not fishes, from the court on, on the nearby river. There's loads of United fans about town. There's going to be an away following of close to 3,000, which is bigger than the average one. Um, the, the, the allocation of 3,200 didn't quite sell out. But I was trying to remember the last time United had more than 3,000 fans for a European away game, for a group game. Madrid. Uh, and Madrid was the answer. 2011. It probably. 12, 12, that, that would be um, 2013 even. Oh, Bayern Munich. David Moyes well, anyway, right, anyway, right, I'm, I'm getting input here. I'm with two United fans, and they're having a glass of red Portuguese wine, but they've only had one glass, so I'm going to get them. Uh, what's your name and where are you from? Uh, I'm Dave. Um, we're from Cumbria, uh, followed United for the last 40 years. Um, and we've been doing these European aways for the last last 10 years. And when we say we? I'm Johnny. Um, that's me dad, he's just uh, been speaking to Andy. Um, yeah. Similar story. So we're going to talk about um, your away games. This podcast, before I go any further, is brought to you in conjunction with RedArmyBet.com. Have a look on RedArmyBet.com for the latest odds and offers about Manchester United games and 50% of the net profit from Red Army Bet going back into to fan projects. So check out their their, their website. You sound like Talksport. Sound like Talksport, here, yeah. don't I? As Not I say, well, listen. I mean. We can do two things with this podcast. We yeah. can charge for it, yeah. or we can have sponsors. Yeah. And we tried to charge for it a few years ago when we had no sponsors, and people were not willing to pay. Yeah. So I am open to the brightest of ideas, <laughs> but if I get a train to go and interview somebody, unfortunately, the train fares are not free. And you know, when I went down to London to meet Jonathan Wilson recently, uh, or to meet James Brown, unfortunately, <laughs> These podcasts can't be done for, for absolutely nothing. But now that the topic's been brought up, they're doing really well. We're getting about 25,000 downloads for each of these podcasts. And we get some quite wonderful feedback from people. And it's not unusual for somebody in quite a senior position or somebody who's quite famous to say, I'm not supposed to tell you this, but I listen to every podcast. Um, and they make sure that no one's looking as they're telling me. It's usually because they've heard some outlandish comment. Well, people will say, you know, you say the things that we'd like to say. Maybe someone in the media would will, will, will say that. So, how long have you been going to United European away matches? Uh, since first, the first one we went to was the Champions League final in Rome. Okay. Because um, we got enough credit, we got credits for trying to get to Celtic and uh, and Arsenal. Uh, that was a bit of an adventure. Uh, Johnny lost his passport and his ticket. And why weren't you going before Rome? Um, we'd only just um, started. Yeah, we got our season ticket, so it gave us the opportunity to uh, to apply for them. Okay. Uh, and then we got the bug. Yeah. Um, you know, Rome was Rome was brilliant. Yeah. If you, actually, if you, your son's just saying raising my children could have been a good absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, very in mind we brought our three children up in Leeds. Right. Okay. For most of their lives as diehard United supporters. Good for you. Um, and uh, you know, started getting the matches as soon as we could. Eventually got a season ticket, and then we we. Uh, we went the whole hog and missed out the last 20 years and uh, 
started doing the Europeans and they've just been fantastic. We've done, what, about 30 of we so far between us. Brilliant. Um, for, for Someone said to me the other day, we're going to Lisbon Tuesday to Friday. And I just replied, the days of me doing a European away trip yeah. Tuesday to Friday with two young children yeah. is impossible. And with my job as well, I mean, I've got to come back from, from here. I'm going to 80, 90 games of football a season. Yeah. Got a Marseille on Sunday for the PSG game. Yeah. I'll see Mr. Everett there. He'd be a good guest on a podcast, wouldn't he? <laughs> I'll get him in the future, trust me. But you're, but you're right. I mean, we've got two and a half thousand people coming here today and they've been split into two. They'll be the people of the, the 50, 60-somethings like me. Yeah, it's a good point. That have been going for 30 years. Uh, and the 20-somethings the like Johnny and the, and the teen-somethings you know, that are just starting to experience it. And the bit in the middle is when they're bringing up the kids and they can't afford to go for, you know, or they may go to the other one. So we're making the most of it. You know, I'm in my, I know uh, plenty who still go to all of them. I don't, yeah, know, I don't know what the partners say. But y- your point is, is, is a good one. And I can remember going to Barcelona in 94, 20 years old. Yeah. There were 50 of us in the same hotel, 50 mates. And I remember thinking then, this is the high point. As people settle down, get more responsibility, get jobs which demand that they can't go away to Europe for three days, the numbers are going to drop off. And they did do. Yeah. And I'd say of those 50 in Barcelona in 94, maybe five of them are in Lisbon. Yeah. yeah. 20, 23 yeah. years later, yeah. every single one of them is still a Manchester United fan. Yeah. I'd say most of them still go to games. But they just can't go to... Well, the good thing is it keeps regenerating, doesn't it? Yeah, it so does. you've got those people, you know, and in, in 20 years, those those 20-somethings now will be coming back again and they'll they'll go to every game with their lads and... Because uh, you've got time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The look, and time's a luxury. I, yeah. I didn't appreciate that as a young lad, but yeah. I certainly do now. Yeah. Having transcribed an interview yeah. on the Metro in from the airport, I don't have enough of it. <laughs> I can remember seeing you in Bruges a couple of years ago in Bruges a couple of years ago yeah Anthony Crawler was there he's a good lad Crawler yeah I like it how he just goes um, to games as a normal person yeah if you, if you saw me in Bruges it wasn't on the day of the game it was the day before the game we got there the day before it was the only match that would come actually come with the missus when she goes she's a season to get older you know we got to the laws but we, we managed to go to Bruges and persuade us to come to a, a European away um, and um, I made the slightly f- mistake of uh uh, getting it, we're in Airbnb and uh, got back there night before the match. Uh, the next thing I remember it was the Friday afternoon uh, when I woke up. Yeah, I woke up in, in, in intensive care in Bruce Hospital. What happened? Well, basically, Too much uh, uh, there might have been a little bit of that, but uh, I, we, I, 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 I blame the premises. Yeah, it's a brick with a weak beer. Yeah. Now, basically, I, I came I'm getting out. your son's version of events after yours, <laughs> so they better tally. Right. Okay. So. Anyway, I got up in the, supposedly got up in the night about six in the morning, uh, trying to find the bathroom, walked out of the, the room, uh, went straight down the stairs, uh, landed in a heap at the bottom. Uh, not that I knew at the time, but basically I... So you'd, you'd had a few? I'd, no, but yeah, I, mean, I didn't know where it was. Disoriented. Disoriented, yeah, yeah, okay. I'd had a few, yeah. Um, so, uh, so basically I'd, I'd cracked my, I'd fractured my ribs, I'd punctured my spleen. Really? Uh, yeah. A hosp- uh, ambulance came and took us to hospital. Who found you? Us. Johnny, right. Johnny and the missus. Yeah, yeah. Um, called, called emergency services. They took me to hospital, checked me out. Said basically my spleen was a load of mush, and they put me straight into operating and re- and uh, removed my spleen. I can show you the scar, but it doesn't look very good in a podcast. <laughs> show uh, us anyway. 
I'll show you. I'll describe it. Good anyway. Wow. Straight down. So, going do do vertically, right down the centre of an, an ample girth, can I call it that? <laughs> <Yeah>. Sorry. <laughs> is a 12 inch scar, a substantial scar, yeah. which is being covered by a t shirt of a jigsaw where the missing piece, the missing piece is the Stop UEFA it. Cup. I think uh, I've seen that on the front of a magazine at fitting some onto that. I think I've Matt, seen that on the front of United where you stand, so yeah. I will be collecting royalties yeah. on behalf of Bandit Nana yeah. <laughs> once we've drank this um, red wine. Yeah. Johnny, what was your version of your dad in Bruges? And can I say one thing about Bruges? If you didn't go to the game because of what happened, you missed the most god-awful walk back into the uh, centre. Can I just say that they did go to the game? He, did, he just okay. left oh, it. Yeah. No, I went there. So I you were in game. hospital, so yeah. what, what happened? Was he pissed up and fell over? Yeah, we, you know, we were drinking in Bruges all day. I think we were drinking out of goblets by the end of the night. And goblets are not the easiest thing to drink out of anyway, but when it's 7 8%, yeah, you, I think you sort of forget. What did your Airbnb host say? Oh, she wanted us gone. Really? She thought we'd been fighting. Because <laughs> I was shouting, I shouted, you know, it was, it, was, it was horrible actually, but she thought we'd been fighting, the fire brigade came, I had to help them. My dad's a little bit bigger than I am. Um, and we, I had to help the fire brigade fucking carry him down the stairs at three in the morning or whatever, whatever time it was, I don't know. We made a lot of noise. So Their she's screaming at you in French or no, Flemish? she come the next day, she says, you got to go. In what language? Well, in English. Yeah. She's talking to us in English. If she'd talked to us in Flemish, we'd have got the message that yeah. they wanted us out. You know, Airbnb, it was, you know, we were actually not too far from the ground. We were, we were, we were closer to the ground than... Um, than it, well, we were very close to the ground, basically. So that walk back after the match, which I did do, the two, the two odd miles, um, was a bit of a nightmare because we could have just nipped could have nipped down a little alleyway and back to our Airbnb but she didn't get it I think it took a couple she let us stay obviously but it took a couple of weeks after for us to say you know my dad's been in intensive care for two weeks so um, and she was okay she was alright in the end did get did get delisted off Airbnb you don't, did. don't know whether they uh, don't know whether they started uh, well anyway not available anymore so not very close to Belgium booze shit centre so not worth it anyway but it was the lager I think it was the lager um, I think there could be a future podcast on great Airbnb or house swap stories. I alluded to one when I stayed in one before Chelsea away last season when the very enthusiastic male host said that he'd like to share a bottle of wine with me after the game and then complimented me on my wash bag and my shoes and then came in when I was eating breakfast the next morning and said, um, oh, so you, so you have them soggy as cornflakes <laughs> and watched as I ate my cornflakes. I felt quite uncomfortable. I told my wife, who found it hilarious. The same host contacted me recently to say that he's moved house and I'd be welcome back really? any time, really. <laughs> um, there's got to be some good Airbnb stories or house swap. In, in, the, in 2012, did a house, house swap with a gay couple in New York. <laughs> and... Um, I was absolutely fine about it. My dad said, "Son, what on earth are you gonna? What are you doing? Just think of what they're gonna get up to in your bed." <laughs> my wife was completely fine about it. However, we both picked up a virus. My wife and I on the flight there. Yeah. They were nervous about letting their apartment out. They wanted to meet us to weigh us out, weigh us up. Yeah. We both 
profoundly, profusely sick on the plane. My wife had to be wheeled off the plane. We just caught a 24 hour virus. We turned up at the, the house in like an ultra cool part of the Lower East Side. And these two gay guys are waiting for us. I've got vomit down my shirt. We both looked absolutely terrible. But it went all right in the end. We're getting sidetracked here, aren't we? Uh, just while you were on a bit, I mean, it wasn't an Airbnb, but the best... Donetsk. Donetsk, yep, yeah, yeah. yeah. So we went to Donetsk in, uh, was it, oh, 20, 20, 2012, just before, the year before the yeah. airport and the stadium got bombed. Yeah. Um, so Don Donetsk was under David Moyes and it was October it, 13th. Right, yeah, so we did So we did that. And we actually booked, we, we, we didn't think we'd be able to get there, and then we, we, we found we could get a dead cheap flight from Luke for 40 quid direct on the day of the game. Uh, there was no hotels. The only hotel was the Liverpool Hotel, which is in full of Beatles Hotel. So how would you describe the Beatles Hotel? We know we it was full. So we we um, yeah we we uh, we went onto I guess their equivalent of Airbnb and we managed to get this uh, apartment uh, and it was in this and we found we taxi driver took us there um, and it was one of these sort of 25 story concrete blocks Soviet era whatever. We met this Russian, fat, old Russian woman outside the place. Didn't speak a word of English, and obviously we... I can say, you know, Dosvidanya, which is a goodbye, whatever. Uh, and Spasiba, thank you, in Russian, that's it. Uh, she's pointed at where we, where, we, um, where we put the keys. She took us upstairs through this ranch sort of uh, concrete stairwell. Got us to the front of the apartment, and this fucking great... Uh, steel, steel lock on it. We are with a with a massive key and a and a, a bolt behind it, and that was that was our room. It was a room with you know with sort of a couple of beds uh, and a kitchen. So we went there, packed our stuff, found people, went out and found people. After the match, we went back to was it the Red Lion or or the, the Stalin? Yeah, there was there was yeah next big big square with the Stalin statue and all the United fans had fun. Somehow found the same place. So we went back, because the match finished at midnight, we went back, stayed there till two in the morning. They'd drunk all the beer then, they were trying to sell us Czech beer at three times the price. So we went across the road to this little club with, with, uh, with mates, um, and we're there for another couple of hours. Johnny got into a bit of a, a uh, chauvin, oh, he was, he was looking after one of, the, one of the women in the group who was, who was being, basically being threatened or eyed up. So uh, we had a bit of a fallout, um, and these other guys left. And then the barman sort of said, we think you might want to sort of disappear because he might be coming back with his mates. So at four o'clock in the morning, we all separated and we walked back to this place in the snow in September and we eventually found this apartment again. And we nearly locked ourselves in. We couldn't, you know, this, this thing was, uh, it cost us about five quid. But I know other people in that same, went to Donetsk, actually got ripped off because they were put somewhere about 20 miles from where they were gonna be and uh, whatever, Sam, but. Um, I, think, I, think, I think the summary of that is, Donetsk was the worst place that we've stayed in. The apartment was terrible. We caused that go with the locals, and, and, and they were probably going to give us an ankle kicky, but we ran. We, we did what? We ran back to the whole. Well, it's not even a hotel; it's an apartment. But Donetsk, yeah, it was. It was yeah, okay. It was, it, it was a great. Dare trip. say that Donetsk would have been a, a lot, lot worse a year later, wasn't it? When the Donbass yeah. Arena was getting shelled yeah, the by, by, well, whoever's version. You, you want to believe whether it's the Russian SAS or uh, some um, insurgents of no fixed abode, according to, 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 to Mr. Putin. Um, it's a really good atmosphere here in, in Lisbon. It, it really is one of my favourite cities in the world. It is that good. It's, um, the people are friendly. 
it's the airport's right in the centre. There's a good public transport system. It's a good football city. It's cheap. You've got the great clubs of Sporting and Benfica. United have got a rich history with both of them. They both play in wonderful stadiums. We've been here loads of times. You have the coast down to Cascais, which is really attractive. There's a host of other top-flight clubs in the area for any football ground anoraks. Uh, our manager is from just across the river in, in Setubal, and I, I find coming here, you don't get any of the danger that you would get going to Ukraine. I mean, I, I like going to Ukraine with United, but it's I've never been when it's not been moody. No, nope. I can remember 2007 being on the main street and seeing a mob of 400 hooligans, yeah. and they they just looked fearsome, and I just. I stood in a doorway and watched them go past, and it was frightening. But I, I, I was I was by myself. Imagine if there would have been twenty of you. Yeah, you yeah. Would I mean, have been we went to we went to Odessa a couple of years ago. Last year. Uh, yeah, last year. yeah, last year. Yeah, and uh, it was. A lot of yeah, there was a lot of trouble. When the club were paranoid about the fact there was going to be problems, you mustn't walk through the park and get the bus, etc. And we eventually, we actually organised a march, and we all we all walked through, you know, walked from the from the pub to the ground. Uh, and we were get we had a fantastic, the best ever escort that you actually appreciated. You know, not like the Spanish police. Uh, they actually protected us. And there was these lads of 13, 14 and they were lobbing firecrackers and whatever at us. But it was, you know. Uh, I think Feyenoord had been there the, the month before and they'd actually got, you know, they really got seriously beaten up, but... Uh, There's so, a lot yeah. of trouble. So finally, how are you feeling ahead of the Benfica game? Got a minute to answer this and, and United in general this season. Um, United in general, great start to the season. I'm not as pessimistic as a lot of people were on Saturday. You know, I think, after the Liverpool yeah, game? Yeah, after the Liverpool game, I think Klopp was, was equally unadventurous. Quite happy with the draw. This one, yeah, look, this is the opportunity. We'll win this one, and, and we're more or less nailed on for the for the for the real matches after Christmas. Yeah, uh, well, just going back to being in Lisbon, it's great. Like it's top, really nice, beers cheap, having a good time. We should beat them tonight. I mean, we've got to beat them. A couple of goals would be great. I mean, we've been scoring three, four goals a game. Apart from Liverpool, it was you know we looked past that game. It's between us and City, like as it stands, it's got to be between us and City. So, well, for the Champions League, well, for both, but I don't know, maybe not. We, we might not be in Kiev in, in May, but we'll certainly be. Got to be challenging. Got to be. Well, great. what would success be? Getting out of the group stage, which is oh. going to happen. Quarters, semis. I mean, semis. well, go back to something like David Moyes before we got we got to the you know what what was it the last sixteen by Munich beat us last time so. We've got to get to those late knockout rounds. We've got to be in the top four to eight teams in Europe. We've got to be. We've got to. Sh- we've got to make our mark and show that. Show that we're back there. So, I think. I think that's it for me. Thank you. Talking down through downtown Lisbon. Beautiful in the Barrio Alto, and it's raining. It's a very Mancunian day, and I've just bumped into Crookie, who's a familiar face and has been at Manchester United game for a long, long time. I can remember seeing Crookie in. Turkey, Galatasaray in 93 on a, on a boat yes. when um, Loaded Magazine and the, the, the late great Gavin Hills were there writing a big feature on it with um, Zed Nelson who went on to become a very famous photographer. Crookie, you go not only to United matches, you go every year on a, a pilgrimage to Munich, don't you? Do indeed, Andy, yep. Um, every year without fail. And you were also... Um, at Duncan Edwards' grave Which recently because I wrote a piece about it. people on the Duncan Edwards trail thanks to Brian Mulholland from Wooden Shore. 
very emotional day. Had a great day. It's a new thing, the Duncan Edwards Trail. I urge people to go on it by all means. It's a new thing. I urge every United fan to go at least once in life. Visit his grave, visit the church, visit his school, go to his museum. It's a superb day out, Andy. And the two of the councillors who were so helpful with you were Liverpool fans. They are. The ex, the ex mayor and the new mayor, Dave Tyler, both Dudley people, but both Liverpool fans for whatever reason, but they are. So we, we, we let them go. As long as they love Duncan Edwards, that's fine by us. The, the piece I wrote, it got seen hundreds of thousands of it times because a lot yeah. of people retweeted it. And what I didn't put in it, maybe I should have done, was Duncan Edwards first came to Manchester with his, his best friend Gordon Clayton, who was uh, also from Dudley and also became a professional for United, played a few first team games, he was Goal, a goalkeeper. Goalkeeper he was, yep. And Gordon went into management after playing and he managed in Urmston Town, we're both from Urmston aren't we? Well I'm from Stretford, but I moved to Urmston at an early age Andy when I got married. Alright, well I'm from Stretford but I also moved to, <laughs> to Urmston at an early age, five. So I was 18, well, no, no, 21 when I got married, but I spent my formative years in Stretford. Which bit of Stretford are you from? Who's, who's closer to Old Trafford, me or you, when you Wash, were born? Washbrook Drive, Council Estate, I am. Right. Where's, where is Washbrook Drive Council? Off Dressingham Road, um, off Barkway Road. I think I'm nearer than you, mate. Well, hang on, where was you? Um, Come on now. Bedford Road, just off Dave Hume Road East. Oh, yes, you are, just, yeah, yeah, yeah. just. Yeah. <laughs> Dodgy, Andy. Buzzing Dodgy. off that. <laughs> 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 yeah, right. Not that it means anything. <laughs> just to me, but um, all right. But we're both settled in Urmston. Gordon Clayton was the manager of Urmston Town, and he was my dad's manager. And I can remember him telling me all about Duncan Edwards. And because of his United connection, he got the Urmston Town training at the cliff. So we'd go there and I'd see, wow, what's this? And it was a thing called a sauna. I'd never seen one yep. before. And we weren't allowed to go in it, but, you know, it just seemed that like, that's what real I lost a stone in the sauna once. <laughs> so you went to Dudley, you go into Munich. This year will be the 60th anniversary. Yes, yes. And, and I, do you have anything special planned with it being the 60th anniversary? We go every year. This, this, this next year that's coming up, we've uh, arranged with the people in Munich, we've, we're trying to sponsor two charities, both taking disenfranchised kids off the streets to teach them soccer, whether it's uh, immigrants or whatever, homeless kids. We're taking, we've arranged to, with the, the people of Munich, uh, Municipal Council, arranged to take the people off the street, teach them football, try to get them involved in something with the community. Right, and we're also trying to get some trees and some benches around the memorial, the, the new memorial site, to give some United fans that go there a bit of peace and tranquility. Because we've got to give something back to the people of Tudoring and Munich especially, for the way they've taken care of us the last, what, 50, 50 odd years, 60 years. How many people are typically at that memorial site on February the 6th? This year there was 32 of us. Right. Last year there was 35 of us. On the 50th there was about 500. This coming year, I personally know at least 800 people that are going, seriously, without any, any shadow of a lie. But I can remember 97, 98, stood on the Old Trafford forecourt on the 6th of February, nobody was there. No, no. Cliff Butler was there. He, I, I can yeah, remember yeah. only seeing Cliff Butler. Yeah. That's um, the same thing. I know. Does it mean more to us than the club? I don't know. I, well, I, I, there's been like, I wouldn't say a resurgence, but there's... A reawakening, I don't know. Yeah, I think, people, I think you're right. And, and it's a nice thing that yeah. going and because the... we met people this year, me and me, me nephew John, who you know very well, right? Floody. People, yeah, floody, yeah. People he's never... from Stratford. <laughs> he's he's born a little bit further than Old Trafford from me. <laughs> people never been before, and the two couples we met swore by, and they would now attend every year without fail, and that's what it means to them now. You know, it's, it's... Well, good luck. We've got a, a piece by you in the next United stand, yes, which is, um, comes on sale. 
at Uddersfield on Saturday if they let us sell at Uddersfield on Saturday well, well, I'll be we're going to give it a bit of a crack selling and if not we need backup mate can I'll I leave be... that with you in the lads room now it's been a pleasure I'll be, care, as mate. always mate I'm stood in the mix zone of Ben's speakers Estadio do Luz and the last of the Manchester United players has just left the stadium they're taking one of two flights back to Manchester. Any players who've been kept behind for doping will get the later flight. I spoke to Juan Mata, I spoke to Ander Herrera, and said brief, had a little brief chats, but didn't record them with several of the other players. United won 1-0. I thought the first half an hour was pretty dreadful. The last bit of the first half improved. United were much better in the second half. Um, Good goal by Marcus Rashford. Can you say it's a good goal? It's certainly a bad error by the young goalkeeper, and I think that's why he was consoled at the end by Romulo Lukaku. And when I spoke to Mata, he was very conciliatory about it. So it's three wins from three from the the Champions League game so far. Two consecutive away wins, and it contrasts completely with a year ago where United lost the opening to European. Uh, away matches and I remember being in Rotterdam last September on at the end of a very hot day and talking to James Cooper from Sky um, he's a face that many of you all know from watching Sky television he tends to cover Manchester United and Manchester City and it, there was a bit of a bad mood building in in the keep that night United had lost hadn't played particularly well and things seem a lot lot better do you remember it James yeah it was a dreadful dreadful night and we couldn't really see where it was going to go I mean it was the vestiges I guess of Louis perhaps crumbling empire and the start of something more special from the special one but still we couldn't really see a plan there I think what we saw tonight albeit it wasn't a great performance I don't think by Manchester United he talks about control he talks about calmness all those things were there I think what we did see was a kind of Mourinho plan in full effect give Benfica the respect he thought they deserved and take the win away but I think the most alarming thing was yeah you talk about the keeper's mistake but I'm not sure why he was wearing a sports bra I know I know yeah what was it like a heart monitor or something like that but it you know it, it wasn't a good look I don't think you, you're an Ipswich fan do Ipswich players wear them <laughs> they should do they don't run around enough actually they run around perhaps too much but with no purpose I was talking to Pep Guardiola about it I think that's the thing about English football just speak to Guardiola yeah I did that's part of your job last week yeah, really what uh, about I talked about maybe the major difference between being in, in Germany and in Spain being that we love the fact that it's blood and thunder in, in England, but perhaps our players run around with no purpose, and I think certainly Ipswich players do lots of that. And, uh, and, and, and yeah, United fans have seen loads of performances like that in Europe, but try being an Ipswich fan, I tell you. One of our writers and main readers and a good lad all around is James Scowcroft. What? He was was he an, I wouldn't say he was an Ipswich legend, but he was a good. He was a good he was player. He was very, very good player, absolutely, and he's done really well in the media as well. I'm impressed with how, the way he comes across. I don't like the fact that you know, as, as an Ipswich player and someone from very St Edmunds, you kind of want them to be an Ipswich fan as well. He's not. He's obviously a big, big red. But um, yeah, he had all the ability in the air. I think if you look back on his career, I think. Um, He'd probably agree that he didn't perhaps have full potential that we all hoped he would because we thought he was kind of one of us being from Suffolk and that makes, makes it special. But yeah, did a great job and scored some important goals and I think played in a big game against Norwich where Brian Gunn let in a goal uh, pass from the fullback. Obviously with the Ipswich-Norwich game at the weekend, I think his name will be mentioned by a lot of people. So, James yeah. had a good career, didn't he? He was, a, he was a Premier yeah, yeah. League striker yeah, very for, much so, for Leicester yeah, yeah. City. And, and, and I think, for... you know, better feet than people. Everyone sort of said he was a target man, well, he was a lot better than that. Yeah. You know, and a really decent player. As I say, the one aside to that is you want your Ipswich players to be Ipswich fans, and he wasn't, even though he was from Suffolk. 
you, you, you speak to Scowcroft, you speak to Guardiola. What's Guardiola like to deal with? I think it's a difficult one because I think there's so much going on in his head. I think more than any other manager that I've met, I think managers are really good at delineating their time. So they think, right, I'm manager of this football club, but I'm also a dad, I'm also a husband. I can kind of stop being one of those and be another. I don't think Guardiola does. So I think what he sees is perhaps talking to the media is a waste of time, and not in the sense that we see it as a waste of time, but actually a waste of him doing something better with his time because he's just got so much going on in his head that he needs to sort out, which explains why after some matches when they won so easily, he's annoyed because something maybe hasn't gone to plan or he didn't see something that he should have seen. So I think there's just so much going on. I think by the end of the season, I think he's probably completely knackered. Mentally. I yeah. saw that at Barcelona after three or four years. You could visibly see him. He's, he went for, He lost his hair you know, in the space of three years and he's clearly an, an incredible manager. And I have a huge amount of respect for him. Firstly, as a player, I thought he was fantastic, and as and, and as a manager, and also as a person, I don't always agree with his political stance on the Catalan independence, but I admire the fact that he comes out and speaks about it and 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 has belief in his convictions. Yeah, he's properly ballsy on that. You know, he puts his head on the block and says, "This is what I am." You know, like it or, or lump it, sort of thing. I think what will be interesting with the bearing of the mind, the way the politics are going. He said for such a long time he'd like to end up being the Spanish manager. That, that may be have gone now. No one's asked him that question, of course. I think it's probably one of the questions that further down the line might become more pertinent. What's Jose Mourinho like to deal with? I don't think he was too impressed by your question a few weeks ago when you suggested, quite accurately, it must be said, that United hadn't beaten a very strong team so far this season. Yeah, I think it's difficult. You employ certain tactics when you talk to big managers. You, you, if you're going to face problems, you sometimes put their own words to them. For example, he said, look, we must be humble. And that kind of implies, well, we haven't achieved anything yet, we haven't played one yet. So when I asked him that, he didn't like it, and then referred back to a later press conference saying, you know, one of your colleagues says, we haven't played anyone. But I think most United fans would realise that is the case. And I think they would have liked to see a bit more ambition from United on, on Saturday against Liverpool. I think, I mean, I think the key thing that's going to maybe see where the title goes is that City will go for it against whoever they play against. We saw that half an hour against Napoli. United will go not to lose and I think they might be the points. The difference is in the big games so or perhaps they decide to go to the blue side rather than the red side. But having said that, you know, City haven't had too many key injuries as yet and you look at United's list, it's not great. I mean they're relying on two central midfielders at the moment. When we last spoke in in Rotterdam on, on this podcast, things have changed quite a lot since then. Do you think Mourinho and I know it can be quite difficult to deal with in, in the media but can you see pluses of him being Manchester United's manager? Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, I said to someone today, I think it's not, I used the phrase necessary evil. I think that's probably not the right phrase, but I think he's the right man for the job at the moment. And I think one thing I do give him credit for is he doesn't really care what people think of him. Other managers, I think, modify their behaviour in press conferences to give, to give a, a different impression of how they are to, to actually the reality. He doesn't care. If people think he's horrible, he doesn't mind. He's got one job to do. But as I say, I think he knows where the lines are from management to person in a way that Guardiola doesn't. Guardiola is just consumed by it all. And I think come the end of the season, people might have changed their opinion a little bit about Pep, whereas um, Jose, I think, will probably justify some of the opinions. You do United City. Do you do other clubs in Greater Manchester? Um, not so much Greater Manchester as a bit further afield. Burnley. Burnley, yeah. obviously, with being so the, it's Premier the Premier League. League yeah. I, I don't like the bias as much. I mean, the trouble is you can only do so much. Yeah. You know, I've got a, my older son is a, a Bolton fan. It's not going great there. You know, it's, it's a really difficult thing there. And, and, and I've got a real soft spot for the likes of Berry and Rochdale too. So I mean, there's a lot of really good football clubs, a lot of really good people. And I think I was trying to angle this question to somehow get in. Do it. Former United. 
um, player Rick Wellens was appointed yeah. Oldham manager no, today, having and, and, done and really well. I was speaking to someone at Oldham this morning who was inviting me to the press conference, and obviously I'm here, and I just think, thank goodness for making the right decision. They won last night again, and he really has turned things around. And I think probably the most frustrating thing about the last two or three weeks from an Oldham perspective is it's been a bit of flag-waving along the lines of Seydorf and Scholes, which wasn't really needed, but I think gave them also a public opportunity just to see if people really wanted Richie Wellen. So there maybe is justification in that, but you can only do that trick so many times before people get sick of it because you're taking them for a ride. Can you see the, the Premier League this year being between United and City? Yeah, no doubt no whatsoever one else. about it. I don't think so. I, I, no. I, don't, I don't see it being Liverpool. I don't see it being Chelsea. I think you saw tonight um, they're maybe their capacity to win the big games isn't what it was last season and I think I, I think Pep's improved City a lot I think that you know as I said I think he'll change people's perceptions I think he's made good players great players the likes of De Bruyne Fernandinho um, I think the imp up front Jesus is, is, is amazing and then you've got the likes of Aguero and Stalwarts who are not going to let you down as well I think the problem is going to be with United as I say that ambition in the big games I know it's a cliche I know it upsets Jose but he's proving us right rather than wrong at the moment Finally, we're in the stadium. It's just emptying now. It's getting quite late. How can you see United doing in the Champions League this year? Because the one defeat which has come this year was when United were outclassed by Real Madrid in, in the Super Cup, and there seemed to be a gulf in class. Subsequent Real Madrid results have suggested that they're not quite as um, invincible as, as we may have thought at the start of August. But when I watch this United team here, I'm not thinking as I was in 08, 09, 010, 11, this is a team that's going to the final. I'm thinking this is a team that's going through and going out as soon as they come up against someone good. Maybe. I, I, mean, I was surprised how I much Real Madrid went for it yeah. on that night. And, I, and it looked as though United were a bit leggy, which may have been, they played a lot of games in pre-season, it might have been a result of that. I think if they get some of their power back, I mean, I know most United fans don't like Fellaini. I refer to Mourinho as a necessary evil. I think Fellaini within this structure probably is similar. We've put him on the front cover of the new United We Stand. Well, that shows you how things have changed, yeah, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah. You know, he's the main man. Two, two years ago he was a lampshade and now, he is, as you say, he's the main man. You look at the power of, um, of, of Pogba as well and I, and I don't think we've seen the best of Lukaku uh, tonight. His, his touch and his ambition seem to have deserted him a little bit. So I think you put that power back into the side, you maybe get a, a few more games out of Lindelof, it starts to look, look a bit brighter. I can see United, uh, the group's done. And they're, they're that comes that. back and Marcus thing. Rojo comes back and Correct. you've got more options and, and look at Rashford tonight that, yeah. you know, whether it was a keeping mistake but he'd, he'd seen that the goalkeeper had cocked up on two corners and thought I'll have a go with this he's, he's got his positioning wrong again and I think there's a lot of kind of green shoots there but I kind of think that year three is going to be maybe Mourinho's year for Manchester United in the Champions League and year two might be the the tilt for the Premier League. So you're Champions suggesting League. that City are going to win the league this year, United are going to win it next year, but what if Ipswich come up this year? Will they not be contenders? i tell you what, the most scary thing about it is you see City beat Stoke 7-2, and Stoke will be in the Premier League, what, for the last, I don't know, eight, nine years? And they're a good Premier League side, so Ipswich, it just fills you with fear. It's, I mean, it'd be a lovely thing to happen, it would be a fairy tale, but it would be very much like when we got beat nine at Old Trafford. That's, all we're, that's what we're looking at as a reality. When I was a young lad, Ipswich Town were a quite fantastic we football were. team. We didn't know what our, our, our fans used teams, to regularly hammer Manchester United. Called those were the days. My first season in English football, uh, I sound like I'm foreign, uh, we beat United 6 0. We missed two penalties that day. That was the first 1979 80, but we didn't realise what we had then. You had Arnold Muir. Arnold and, and Franz Tyson, Tyson. Terry Butcher, Russ Losman, Paul Cooper, Paul Mariner, Alan Brazil, Johnny Walk. All, um, these, all these players that other teams thought were their players, but no, they were Ipswich's players. I'm not going to say why Alan Brazil is in the new United We Stand, but he is, and if you do not burst out laughing, 
at ways in there there's something wrong with can you can I say though as a person he's one of the best raconteurs yeah, that I know yeah. as a storyteller I don't know how he's still alive but as a storyteller incredible I went for lunch with him at Langham's in London just me and him um, his choice of, of where we it would go be, for yeah. lunch and it, it, it was a great day I also went to Amsterdam to see Arnold Muren and he said when he arrived at Ipswich he carried on living the life of a pro that he led at Ajax whereas Franz Tyson probably pronounced it wrong no it's right Tyson, within, yeah. within three months had bought a snooker queue and was a regular drinking pints of bitter. So I think he also <laughs> smoked as well at that stage as well. He was a proper boy, but you would see those. I mean, it was the silk of Muren, and I know United fans think he's a United player. He's not. He was an Ipswich player. We took the gamble and also said no to Rude Hullet in bringing those two over as well. They had three came over. One went back Hullet, and we got Tyson and Muren. And Tyson was just like a magician with his feet. There are still Manchester United directors who maintain that Arnold Muren is the best player they've seen at Old Trafford. That's how good they thought he, he was. Wow. Honestly. Oh, I'm pleased about that. Yeah. Ipswich's Arnold Muren was the best player they'd seen. At Go on, I'll let, I'll let you have the final say. Thank you for your time. That was good. And, Lovely and all, to see all, you. All the best for uh, it's going in the right direction. The rest of this season.